Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And there's guest producer Ramsey over there. Yay, Ramsey! Guest producer on Stuff You Should Know, but straight up producer on Movie Crush. Yeah, Movie Crushers might, uh, might know Ramsey's name. Hey, Ramsey. He waved. He, he knows the he knows the drill. <laughs> well, the the duct tape over his mouth helps <laughs> for sure. So, Chuck, today we were talking about epilepsy, and this has been a long time request. We've gotten requests for this one over the years. Oh yeah, yeah, plenty of times. And uh, I don't know why it took us so long to do it, but I'm glad we finally did because it's something I didn't know about. I think it's one of those things like you're aware of epilepsy and sure. seizures and seizure disorders. But there's almost like this um, cartoonishly narrow version of like what epilepsy is. It's like just, the movie version. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, which actually is kind of accurate depending on the type of epilepsy or the type of seizure you're having. But um, there's it's such a broad spectrum yeah. of really just kind of a, 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 a physiological brain disorder that can happen in so many different ways. I, I had no idea. Yeah, the the movie, while it's sort of like uh, the every square is a rectangle type of thing, like movies only display seizures in one way. The Natalie Portman way. Sort of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the kind where you're like, you're on your back, uh-huh. convulsing yeah. wildly, frothing at the mouth. There's some jerk nearby with a wooden spoon. That's you don't want to do that. We should no. go ahead and say yeah. that maybe more than <laughs> once. Do not stick a spoon or your wallet or a credit card or anything else in somebody's mouth no. to keep them from swallowing their tongue. No, you can't swallow your tongue. No, because it's attached. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Look, yeah, you all right? Well, Stop. <laughs> well, it's not working. I was just grabbing a wooden spoon. It's you don't instinct. want to do that. Keep that thing away from me. Yeah, but movies display them as one kind, and th- those definitely exist, but. It's far more nuanced than that. Right. Leave it to movies to get rid of nuance, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But really, isn't that the audience's fault? Isn't no. it up to the audience whether there's nuance or not? <laughs> well, what, like during a seizure scene next time, we should all just stand up and shout, this isn't real. I think they would get the picture. <laughs> all filmmakers would get the picture. How about some nuance? Well, and also movies are uh, all about drama and a lot of seizures – are not very dramatic. <laughs> no. It's almost like in certain types of seizures, somebody like just kind of zones out for a second and then comes back and says, so what were we just saying? Yeah. That that constitutes a seizure. A.K.A. Chuck on any given evening. Sure. <laughs> There's probably a big difference of what's going on in the brain of somebody who's actually enduring a seizure right then than you zoning out. But oh, sure. To the observer, it would look very similar. <laughs> All right. That's let's a nice talk, intro. Let's talk a little history first, can we? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I will say this. Um, ancient medicine has always been nutty as a fruitcake, mm-hmm. but especially when it comes to seizures from how they're diagnosed and what people think is going on to the, the various treatments. It is wacky. Yeah. People with epilepsy have been stigmatized for Ever since there was civilization, basically. Yeah. The Code of Hammurabi, the first set of laws Mm -hmm. from Mesopotamia 4,000 years ago, 
contains a law that says if you have epilepsy, they didn't call it that, but they were talking about people with epilepsy, you can't get married. Yeah, they called it like the devil shakes or something. Basically. Yeah. And the, the idea was that there were that you were infected with some sort of demon mm-hmm. or the devil or yeah. something like that. And what's interesting is that by the time Hippocrates came around, he was like, no, 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 you guys have it all wrong. This is just a, a, a some sort of disorder in the brain. Yeah. You could probably treat with diet and exercise and that kind of stuff, which is actually pretty good advice for somebody who was for prescribing this like 2,400 years ago. Yeah. And then somehow that got lost, and everybody was like, no, no, it's demons, unclean spirits, all that. Yeah. And it went back to being a, a very stigmatized disease. And yeah, it was it was an unexplainable thing. Right. And I think back then, um, now we try to poke around and learn, like, the real reasons behind something, even if it still remains unexplainable at the end. But back then, they would just say, they're possessed or they're a witch. Right. And that witch thing, it was in the Malefius. Maleficarum, sure. The witch, the witchfinder's handbook. Uh-huh. It was basically in there, and either if you had epilepsy, you were a witch, or you were possessed by a demon, or in some cases, you could be possessed by like an angel or something like that. Um, but more often than not, it was like a negative thing, like a negative spirit had possessed you, or you were under the influence of a witch. So somebody in your village could mm-hmm. be accused of witchcraft if you had epilepsy because right. they were like, this witch over here is giving this guy epilepsy. Burner. That yeah. was a, a thing. So epilepsy has always been tied to that. And that law about epile- uh, people with epilepsy not being able to marry, Yeah, there were laws on the books in the United States up until 1980 that said people with epilepsy can't get married. Really? Can't get married. Yeah, but the, I'm sure those were those like laws that aren't enforced, right? Or were they in, literally enforcing those laws? I, I don't know that part. I'm sure they were back in like the 20s and 30s during the eugenics movement. But right. I, I don't know that they were up until 1980. That sounds like one of those laws where like <clears throat> you can't spit on the street after sundown. <laughs> right. Can't put <laughs> lipstick on a horse. Oh, you can. Can't spit on the street after sundown. <laughs> um, and then, you know, ancient treatments – are exactly what you would think, like everything from drinking blood to killing a dog and drinking its bile. Yeah. Uh, if someone's having a, a seizure near you, pee in your shoe and give it to them to drink. Yeah, like it's a jellyfish sting. Yeah, but in the shoe? I, I don't know. Like what? Is that just because they Maybe know that, was, that you have something that holds urine? That would be my guess. Okay. I didn't know if that was like, oh, no, the I guess shoe you could also pee. <laughs> pee into like cupped hands, your cupped hands. And then just kind of like just drop it onto their mouth. <laughs> God. Regardless, that's another thing. Don't put a wallet or a spoon or a credit card in somebody's mouth. Don't put your urine in somebody who's having a seizure's mouth. No, doesn't help. Um, I also saw that it wasn't until the 18th century that people finally were like, I don't think this is actually infectious. Right. The, the, one of the reasons why people with epilepsy were so shunned just shunned and stigmatized mm-hmm. and just kept on the outskirts or the, uh, the yeah the outskirts of society because people thought epilepsy was contagious and you could catch it from the breath of uh, someone with epilepsy. Yeah. So like the people with epilep- epilepsy have been treated horribly for ba- all of time basically. Yeah. So hopefully we can kind of dispel any of the last myths around it. That's my hope with this episode, Chuck. Let's see if we can do it, okay? <laughs> well, we like to start off every episode by stating our hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so what's going on in the brain? Uh, we'll get to that a little bit more in detail, but 
kind of the the mm-hmm. way this article in our on our own website puts it, which this was so like ten years ago, writing wise. <laughs> but they they basically talk about a kind of traffic jam in your brain when there's confusion, when there's too much too many neurons firing at once, and uh, it can cause an overwhelming sensation that can eventually cause a seizure. Yeah, it's like um, I've seen it compared to like electrical storms. Yeah. Where basically it's a a sudden overload, mm-hmm. an electrical overload in your brain, and your brain's just like, uh, I, I'm just shutting down here for a second. Yeah. And then it resets itself. Your brain sounds like Bob Newhart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine does. Mine, uh, uh, mine does. Um. And you said from from a bunch of neurons firing at once. Yeah. Not just a bunch of neurons, but those neurons that are firing fire a lot more than usual, too. Right. Something like, so they fire 80 times a second normally, mm-hmm. where during a, a seizure, they're going to fire like 500 times a second. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about mm-hmm. uh, the brain machines later, but one thing that's characteristic of uh, seizures is when they look at your brain scan, Mm -hmm. there are big peaks and valleys. Yes. It's not a a steady stream of... no, or I don't just think it a, makes that noise just either. Just the Bob Newhart. Hmm. Right. <laughs> Who knew he was going to show up? Slow and steady. That's great. Uh, but let's talk about some of the types of seizures. Um, there are a couple of broader categories, uh, focal seizures or generalized seizures. Mm-hmm. Uh, focal seizures are just in one part of the brain where generalized, uh, and I think about 60% of people with epilepsy have the, the focal kind, and generalized are on both sides of the brain. Yeah. Like your whole brain is under attack, whereas, yeah, the the, the focal seizures, it, it could just be from like a lesion in a specific part or there's yeah. something that's um, hypersensitive that's just, just one tiny region of your brain, but it's enough to do some wacky stuff to you. Yes. Uh, and within those groups, there are further subgroups. For instance, a simple focal seizure or a complex focal seizure are the two types of focal seizures. <laughs> <laughs> so a simple focal seizure is... Um, you're, you just kind of have like a weird feeling. Like you're conscious the whole time. Yes. Yeah. And it's also sometimes called an aura. And an aura itself, it can just be a standalone seizure, but it's kind of like seizure light, L-I-T-E, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that same simple focal seizure can also be the uh, beginning of a larger complex focal seizure, a larger seizure of either type. Yeah. where um, it's just the aura. It's just the beginning symptoms of it. So it can be standalone or it can lead to a larger um, seizure. Yeah, and we'll we'll get in. You sent a really cool thing we'll get into in a second about like exactly what a seizure is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but quickly, a complex focal seizure, the other type of focal seizure, um, you do lose consciousness. Um, and if you are around someone that has one of these, uh, you might see... It's a little bit more like what you would think of as a movie seizure, yeah. It for can lack be. of a better term, it yeah. can be like twitching, blinking. Uh, maybe someone's just sort of um, seems dazed and sort of walking around. Well, that's the thing that got me. Like when I think of well, they lost consciousness. It it means they fainted or whatever. Right. That's not necessarily what that means when you're having a seizure. Like lose consciousness means like you you're not there. You blacked out. You're gone. Yeah. You're not. You're not. 
your awareness is no longer functioning in the here and now. Right. But to people standing around you, they might see you just kind of walking slowly around in a circle or something right. like that. Or sitting upright and just kind of with a blank look on your face or something. Yeah. Like, it's not the traditional just falling over, fainting away loss of consciousness. Right. That was that was new info to me. Yeah, and this aura you were talking about, it's really interesting that um, other document you sent was – I had no idea that you, if you're uh, a person with epilepsy, you can sometimes, and it's it's different for everyone, but sometimes you can sense these seizures coming on days ahead of time. Yeah, that's I, I've never heard of that. Yeah, I think when you when you get uh, when you start having seizures, if you um, are an actual like ep, uh, if you actually have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um, you will start to notice patterns. It's oh, I'm sure. Stereotypic. It means like it's it typically follows yeah. the same patterns, the same sensations. And an aura can be anything from seeing blinking lights to hearing a humming sound to suddenly inexplicably experiencing panic or joy. Yeah. Or all number of things. But basically, your brain is suddenly doing something. It's suddenly getting a jolt of electricity. Right. That's actually not being stimulated from anything outside. You're not actually seeing bright lights, but your brain is showing you bright lights because that impulse is actually starting from the inside rather than coming from the outside in. Yeah. That could be an aura. It could also be a weird taste. Yeah, I think a lot of times, too, it's um, people that experience the aura have a hard time describing it in a way that people that have never experienced the aura can understand. Right. That's sort of one of the hallmarks of it is, you know, people like us end up stammering out, you know, a bunch of things that we can relate to. But I think if you have had this sensation, it's sort of one of those things like you got to kind of have it to really understand what it feels like. Sure. And and the reason why is because you're probably different parts of your brain that don't normally co-function are functioning together and the information you're getting is being merged together into a, just a totally novel experience that no human has ever had before. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome if you think about it in that way. Yeah. So pre-seizure um – a lot of different things can be happening. You can smell things, you can hear things, mm-hmm. you could taste things. You might get blurry vision, or like you might have a visual loss briefly or momentarily. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it might be a very pleasant feeling. It can be. I hope. I just wish it was like that for everybody. Sure. I wish everybody who had epilepsy just had nothing but pleasant brain attacks. Yeah, you know? I, I totally agree. Uh, so that's at the onset, um, sort of pre-seizure activity when you start to recognize these symptoms. And that's when you might tell, you know, your friend or loved one or whoever you're with, like, hey, I'm, I may have a seizure here soon or yeah. maybe hours from now. Yeah. Um, and this, I think this is from the Epilepsy Foundation. It's called What Happens During a Seizure. Really interesting. Yeah, but they say, like, every seizure has three stages to it. Mm -hmm. It's just some are really hard to discern. Some appear to just be the first. Some have like clearly all three. Um, But that beginning thing can technically stand alone. An aura can be its own like seizure light, like I was saying. Right. But more often than not, it will lead into the middle part of the the seizure. Right. Which is called the um, ictic stage of the the seizure. Yes, and that's from the first time symptoms <clears throat> and the aura counts as a symptom. Right. Like that's officially part of the seizure. Yeah. Uh to the to the end of seizure activity uh activities that middle section. 
Yeah, and the middle section is what you usually think of as a seizure. Like the, it can be the classic movie seizure where you sure. can be, um, you can convulse, you can, um, you, your your uh, muscles might tighten suddenly, mm-hmm. um, and you might go rigid. You might actually lose muscle um, tension. Yeah. And either way, what those will result in is called a drop attack, where you are standing up and all of a sudden you tense up and fall over, like, remember the fainting goats? Yeah, my clon- I knew I knew that word from something, my clonic goats. Mm-hmm. And then, um, or you can just lose muscle tone and fall over. But either way, it can be really bad news for you because you can hit your head and um, you can cut yourself. It's, it's not good to fall over no. w- with zero control over your body. No, and then um, the final phase is uh, post seizure, mm-hmm. and that is that can be really rough, um, and it can take hours or days to kind of fully feel like yourself again. Mm-hmm. Um, and if someone, and we'll talk about what to do during a seizure, of course, um, if you are around someone that's having one, don't put your wallet in their mouth. No, but post seizure is very important too, because uh, you need to be there and be very comforting, and um, just sort of take things slow. Yeah, in general, right. So um, that's called the post-ictic phase, and that can actually last a lot longer than either of the other two phases of a seizure. It can last 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, who knows? Yeah, you could be sleepy or (laughs) scared or anxious, have memory loss, uh, difficulty talking. It's basically what it sounds like is, is your brain and your body has just undergone a traumatic experience. Right. And it's just... Rough. Yeah, and it had to reset itself. And yeah. It was a hard reset, and now you're paying the prices, price of it. Yeah, and that's not to even mention um, some of the physical things that is one of the real dangers of uh, having a seizure is if, you know, you fall on a glass coffee table or, you know, yeah. all the supplementary physical uh, injuries that can occur. One of the things that stuck out to me from this um Epilepsy Foundation article was that one of the signs and symptoms of the post-ictic phase is um, that the person may be frustrated, embarrassed, or ashamed. I know, man. That is so sad. Yeah. Um, that's just so sad, you know? And I, it, it comes up later on, too, in this article from How Stuff Works about, like, the challenges of living with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of them, I'm sure, is just feeling stigmatized sure. by people. Yeah. Know? You want to take a break? Yeah, we'll take a break and we'll pick up with uh, the different types of generalized seizures right after this. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Stuff you All right, so generalized seizures. Remember, we broke it down into the two broad categories, focal right. and generalized. Right. Uh, there are many kinds of generalized seizures. Um, the, the words you won't hear anymore from a doctor are petite mal and grand mal seizures. Uh, those are outdated terms, but um, what they are now referred to as is formerly petite mal seizures are now known as absence seizures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and grand mal are now known as tonic-clonic seizures. And, and yes, they are outdated, but they still kind of highlight the early contributions of some of the first French neurologists in the late 18th century. Dr. Grand Mall, who, specifically. Right, Stanley Grand Mall, uh-huh. a French neurologist. <laughs> um, they helped pull this out of the realm of 
superstition. And, yeah. You know, you can catch it from like a, a, someone with epilepsy breathing on you. Right. So hats off to the early French neurologists for at least studying and identifying it. But that's why that's why there were French terms that were applied to it previously. You just stuffed your pork pie hat. I did actually a little <laughs> chorus line thing. Like you can't nice. see under the table, but my foot's <laughs> kicking too. Uh, so one of the, uh, like, I, like I said, the absent seizure, formerly petite mal seizure, this is usually uh, in children. And I think overall, I don't know if we mentioned that children and people over 75 mm-hmm. are most likely to uh, have epilepsy, which is interesting. Yes. And you can grow out of it. Depending on the type of uh, epilepsy, yes. And I think you can even grow back into it in your older age. Yeah, if you're 75 or older, you're at high. You're at the highest risk of yeah. developing epilepsy. So the absent seizures, um, like I said, are mostly in children. Um, That's just like where they zone out all yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. You might see some eyelid fluttering or something like that or a twitch or two, and it might just be a few seconds long and then it's over. Right. You're Very like, hard to spot. What was just going on? Were you thinking about Barney or were you having yeah. a seizure just Yeah, or just now? tired. Like, it, it's tough to spot, I think. Yeah. Uh, clonic seizures, uh, you will have convulsions and jerking movements on both sides of your body. Uh, myoclonic, like we talked about with the goats. And it's funny, I just was going through the archive today and I saw our, that was one of the best titles we've ever had. <laughs> that dang old goat fell over yeah. on uh, fainting goats. That was a good one. I think so that good. was one of yours. Maybe. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But uh, myoclonic seizures, uh, the upper body is mainly involved. And it might look like someone has been shocked, like a jerking of the upper body. Right. Uh, The tonic seizures is when you stiffen up like you were talking about. Yeah. Where you just suddenly, your muscles go fully tense and you just can't control them anymore. Uh, Atonic is the other one that you were talking about when you lose muscle control. Yeah. And then there's the big daddy. This is the movie seizure. The tonic-clonic seizure. Yes. Just the name of it sounds menacing, you know? Tonic-clonic. It, it sounds like a, a Star Wars character from the dark side or something. So tonic-clonic, the, the fallen. <laughs> yeah, Grand Maul does too. Well, I think because of the Darth Maul thing. And Grand Moff Tarkin. It's a combination. Oh, okay. I don't know who that last guy is. Grand Moff Tarkin? Yeah, which one is that? All right, we should just move past this. No, no, I need to know, <laughs> especially if it's somebody from, like, the original three. I think Grand Moff Tarkin was the guy, wasn't that Peter Cushing? Yeah? Oh, okay, sure. Who, who they him. digitally Why recreated. You Peter Cushing <laughs> instead of Fran Tarkenton. <laughs> what are you talking about? So the tonic-clonic movie-style seizure is that that's the one that you've probably seen on TV and films and after-school specials is when the the body stiffens you sort of pass out on the floor mm-hmm. and your body is convulsing and jerking on the ground. You're like eyes roll back in your head. Yeah. And a, that kind of thing. I couldn't tell if it kind of alternates back bef- between the two or if it follows that discernible pattern where uh, it goes tonic, like your muscles tense, you fall over, followed by clonic. So you're convulsing after that. Sounds like it. Or if you kind of bounce back and forth, which would be pretty awful too. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the, like you said, the movie, that's the movie seizure that you see. I've never, it just occurred to me, I've never seen someone have a seizure mm-hmm. that, that I could recognize. I've not either. Yeah. You just knocked wood. I did. Or is this, that someone trying to come in no, the studio? No, this is like particle board, but I think it still <laughs> Does counts. Does that count? Yeah. Um, seizures generally are pretty brief. Uh, a few seconds, maybe a few minutes at the most, uh, in most cases, but they, like we said, they they take a lot out of your brain and body. 
Yeah, it's here, rough stuff. Here's the thing. It's like so tense your tense all like all the muscles in your body for a second. I don't even know how to do that. So it's <laughs> it, like just doing it for a second. Sure. I'm like, oh man, I'm sore already. Yeah. I'm tired. Imagine doing that for like three minutes. Yeah, that's a long seizure. And right, like, I feel like really like every muscle in your body's tense. Yeah. Or um, imagine like convulsing mm-hmm. for a couple of minutes. Like. Heck yeah, you're going to be physically tired. It's a violent reaction. It is, but also the normal processes of your body have just been totally thrown out of whack, and yeah. now they have to get back into whack. And one of your body's like main things for telling you something's wrong is to feel nauseated. Mm-hmm. So you're going to probably feel nauseated. You're going to feel um, maybe perturbed. You're not going to feel very good, and it's going to last for a while. Sometimes people will sleep. Yeah. And maybe they'll sleep for a minute. Maybe they'll sleep for an hour. There's a lot of different things that can happen in that post-ictal state. Um, But the the thing you want to look out for. So we've never seen anybody have a seizure before. Correct. But there, if you do see someone who is having a seizure, there are some very specific things that you should do and not do and not do. Yeah. One of the things you should not do is stick your dirty wallet in their mouth. I haven't heard that one. Nasty credit card. Yeah. Or a spoon. What are you carrying a spoon around with you for anyway? <laughs> I don't know. If it's to save somebody from swallowing their tongue, leave it at home because you don't yeah. need it anymore. Yeah, the main thing you want to do is make sure that they will not further injure themselves. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in a, a an apartment uh, and they're on the couch, you may want to like move the coffee table out away from the couch or something like that. Right. Um, Turn them on their side if they have uh, gone to the ground. Yes, so they won't choke. That yeah. is a real thing, but right. the the tongue has nothing to do with it. Right. It's. I think it it's be more eating. like throwing up or something like that. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and just sort of try and ensure <laughs> their safety. Like, don't try and hold them down. Don't try and get them to stop what they're doing. Like, right. you you can't. I'm gonna lay on you till the demons get out. Yeah, that's not that's not a good idea. No. So basically just try and make things as safe as possible like if they're around clo- them. If their clothing is – right, yeah, keep sharp stuff away from them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, if they're sitting up or standing up or whatever, yeah, try to get them on to the lowest point mm-hmm. as comfortably as Put you can. Put a pillow under their head maybe. Yeah. Um, if their clothes are, like, bunching up around their neck, like, try to loosen the clothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, make it safe and comfortable for them. But Stay th- with them. Yeah, don't don't be like, all right. Well, I'm going to go uh, get my eyes checked. Well, or go, or go call the police, or not the police, but nine one one. Right. That was a really surprising thing that that um, this article said was, if, don't leave. Just hang out with them. Mm-hmm. That is more important than calling nine one one. Yeah. There is a point where you should call nine one one though. There's a a type of seizure, or there's a a, a mode that seizures can go into called um, status epileptus, which is like a really bad situation. That's when it continues. Mm-hmm. Unabated. For, yeah. And for just like keeps five going. minutes. Yeah. It used to be, I think, 20 or 30 minutes. And then they said, uh, that's way too long. If a, someone has, is having a seizure of any type um, for five minutes or longer, you want to call 911. Yeah. Because what you're seeing is a medical emergency. Uh, on under almost every single case of a seizure, the brain can kind of reset itself mm-hmm. um, and come out of the seizure within a five-minute period. If it doesn't, it strongly suggests that it's not going to happen, and they may actually have to medically induce a coma yeah. to just stop the electrical activity in the brain and let it reset itself. Yeah. So you've got a, a bona fide medical emergency on your hands. 
Or the other way it can happen is they can be having a seizure and then have another seizure and not regain consciousness in between. Right. That actually qualifies as a um, status epileptus seizure as well. And you want to call 911 for those. Yeah. Or if uh, if it's a pregnant woman. Yeah. Then you want to call 911 sure. because there can, you know, be further complications there Yeah, for sure. All right. So it looks like there's six different types of epilepsy, if I'm reading this right. We'll say at least six. Starting with benign Rolandic epilepsy. Uh, this is the one that you uh, would have in childhood and that you would probably outgrow. Hence the benign thing. Yeah. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Right. It's, it's just a phase the kid's going through, <laughs> you know? Uh, juvenile myoclonic epilepsy is actually one – you wouldn't have it in early childhood, but it actually would come on mm-hmm. around the same time as puberty, as if puberty's not tough enough. <laughs> right. Now with seizures. Yeah. I mean, I feel so bad for, for, for anyone that has this condition, but especially, like, if it comes on at puberty, you don't know what's going on. Well, plus also it's like the the – Severe type of seizures, tonic-clonic seizures, usually characterize it, or myoclonic, and you don't you don't outgrow it. No, it, you, it comes you on in this. childhood, but yeah, you get you have it for life. Uh, Lennox Gestalt syndrome. I feel like I'd heard of this one before. I had not. Uh, this one's very severe, and there are many kinds of seizures uh, that you can have, and uh, I believe this one sticks around for life too. It does, and it's um, usually it it comes after. It's become apparent that there are cognitive impairments. Mm-hmm. Um, it can there can be delayed motor skill development. Um, it's it's kind of like comorbid with a, um, a like a type of cognitive impairment as well. Right. But it's it's characterized by drop attacks too, where you, you can really injure yourself because you just fall over. Right. Because the, there's um, an impairment in the the muscle or the uh, motor cortex. Right. Look at you. I got it eventually. <laughs> uh, reflex epilepsy is the one that you might, if you have ever, like, gotten a strobe light warning. Or heard of that Pokemon thing, which that sure. legend is actually true. Yeah, I mean, this this is one that is triggered by something in the environment. Um, in fact, remember I told you I went to that David, or was going to that David Byrne concert. Mm-hmm. We got a, ticket holders got emails the day before the show that said, you know, trigger warning, we use strobe lights in this show. Oh, wow. So I think they, for stuff like this, they kind of are sending that stuff out now ahead That's of time. That's good of them, yeah. Yeah. Because, the, I mean, you can have a seizure, even if you don't have epilepsy, mm-hmm. you can have a seizure brought on by flashing lights that yeah. are fast enough that just basically get your brain going, and it and it's off, and I've, you have I've a had, seizure. Uh, not a seizure, but an intense strobe light situation I think makes everyone feel a little off. Yeah. It makes you know? me dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are the bubbles? Where, give me my glow stick. Uh, temporal. Oh, lo- wait. Hold on. Let me give you one more about okay. that. So the reflex epilepsy, it doesn't have to just be from like flickering lights. Oh, no. Like no. strobe lights. Can be sound. Can be touch. Yeah. They're they like different basically where you have re- reflex epilepsy there's a part of your brain that receives sensory stimuli mm-hmm. that is hypersensitive so whether it's your eyes right. whether it's your ears whether it's your skin and it'll be like a very small region on your skin and it can be activated by tapping scratching yeah. rubbing and toothbrushing 
Oh, interesting. Which, if you think about it, that is interesting. But also, if you are going to trigger a seizure from brushing your own teeth, that would suck. Yeah. You know? I bet there are some ways around that. Oh, surely there are. Like an electric toothbrush might have a different sensation or something. I hope so. Although I bet an electric toothbrush would set it off more than anything. I guess it depends. I don't know. Uh, Temporal lobe epilepsy. uh, The most common uh, kinds of seizure here are complex focal. Uh, although there are other, you know, seizures that can occur too. Mm-hmm. And this is the one where I think it's like, well, it takes place in the in the temporal lobe, which controls emotion and memory. But I think these are the ones that are can be really interesting and hard to describe right. uh, by someone that's had one. Yeah, like you'll have a bunch of memories come back all of a sudden at yeah. once, which um, that's another thing, another common device you'll see in movies, not necessarily with seizures, but when somebody's like, like their brain's being taken over or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, the like just a bunch of different like visualizations will flash or like whatever of their life. Yeah, I think yeah. that that's basically what happens with temporal lobe epilepsy. Interesting. Yeah, or you can also have just be overwhelmed by a bunch of weird emotions, good, bad, neutral. Yeah, that are um, not being brought on by anything but the seizure. Yeah, I. Uh at that David Byrne show, I had a moment where I was so overwhelmed <laughs> with the sound, the lights. And the acid. The uh, the emotion of the moment and yeah. the art wow. that I felt like I was on ecstasy at one point. What song was it? That specific moment was during Once in a Lifetime. Nice. So that was coming together with nostalgia wow. to yeah. just like suck me in the face. Sure. But, you know, it was it had to do with other things as well. So, I mean, while I, again, did not have a seizure, I have no idea what that's like. It's interesting to feel the brain sort of get rocked a little bit to where you can feel it. But with positive feelings. Sure. See, that's what epilepsy should be. It should be like a a, a sudden jolt of of (laughs) ecstasy in your brain. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, frontal lobe epilepsy Mm -hmm. uh, is the final kind. And this is the one where you're more likely to have, like, your body herking and jerking or really <laughs> stiff on one side. Right. Yeah. So you got me with the herking and jerking. It always reminds me of the Mr. Show, the herky-jerky dancer. <laughs> yeah. um, should we take a break? I think so. Mr. Show made an appearance, so, yeah. All right. We'll be right back. If you want to know, then you're in luck. Just listen up to Josh and Chuck. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. Stuff you should know. One of the things I saw I want to say that's not really apropos of what we're going to talk about next, but when... um, someone is having a seizure during the, the middle seizure part, mm-hmm. they may um, start un, start doing, like, involuntary movements. Yeah. Like, l- everything from lip smacking to, like, playing with their buttons mm-hmm. to actually undressing and dressing. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that is interesting, especially when you remember alien hand syndrome. Uh-huh. And that was the corpus callosum. And, I mean, parts of the corpus callosum are involved sometimes. Mm-hmm. With uh, epilepsy, too. One of the other things epilepsy bears a strong resemblance to, especially in the fact that it has an aura and an actual um, middle phase and then a recovery phase, are um, migraines. Oh, yeah. Very much related to migraines. And actually, you can get migraines as a symptom of the recovery phase, the post-ictal phase. Right. Which 
that would really suck to have a huge seizure and then come out of it and have a migraine. Yes. That would not be good. It would not. Uh, the causes of epilepsy are, it sort of depends. Sometimes you can have a brain injury. Sometimes, like if you get hit in the head, uh-huh. uh, sometimes you could have a tumor that's putting pressure on the brain. Um, if you can determine the cause as a doctor, then it's called symptomatic epilepsy. If you're not quite sure what's going on. That's a head scratcher. Yeah, or idiopathic epilepsy. Um, it's so funny they have a name for it rather than, I know. I don't know. Sure. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense, but I don't know is really what that means. <laughs> and then there's even another category, uh, cryptogenic epilepsy. And that's when the doctor is like, well, I kind of have some information, but I'm not quite sure if it's symptomatic or idiopathic. Right. It's really specific. It is. Unless it's idiopathic, then it's totally nonspecific. <laughs> that's right. So... um I found this really interesting. The, the way that um, epilepsy is diagnosed, because just because you have one seizure doesn't mean you have epilepsy. Yeah. If you have a seizure, you want to go to the doctor to find out if actually, no, you actually do have epilepsy. Right. But there's a number of ways you can get, you can have a seizure. You, if you're a uh, infant or a kid and your temperature uh, gets to 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit uh-huh. or higher, I think 38 degrees Celsius, that's called a febrile seizure, mm-hmm. feverish seizure. Yeah. Doesn't mean you have epilepsy. You may never have another seizure again. Supposedly, if you are withdrawing from alcohol or some types of drugs, yeah, I saw that. you can suffer seizures. But I saw another research of the literature that said this is not true. Oh, really? It's just a legend. Huh. But like a medical legend. Um, supposedly, hypoglycemia, abnormal heart rhythm, panic attacks, all of those can bring on seizures or mimic seizures. And then there's something called a pseudo-seizure, which to anybody witnessing it would be like, that's a seizure. That person must have epilepsy. Mm -hmm. But if you had that person um, undergoing an electroencephalogram at the time, a brain scan, you would see that their brain waves were not doing what somebody who has epilepsy's brain would be doing. And that's actually brought on by psychological distress. Yeah, or like past abuse in your life or something right, like that. which is bad enough. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah, so you mentioned the EEG, the uh, electrocephalograph. Um, at this point, if, if you're uh, being hooked up to one of those machines, you've probably already gone to the doctor, had some blood tests done. Um, it's interesting that, the, like, the, the doctor is sort of like bringing your car in. You're like, well, it's not making that noise now. And the mechanic's like, well, I don't know what to do then. Right. Normally, the mechanic's like, well, just let me take your car home for a week, right? And you got to let them. Yeah. Same thing with your doctor. You have to move into your doctor's house until you have a seizure in front of them. <laughs> That's not true. But they can and will try and induce a seizure sometimes so they can really see what's going on. <laughs> no, it's not. So during an EEG, they will try and induce a seizure. They may... Put the strobe light in front of your face. Yeah, it'll take you to a David Byrne show. <laughs> exactly, which would be a great way to, to get treated. Or they'll tell you to come in um, and not having slept. Yeah, fatigue is one thing, lack of sleep that can bring them on. Yeah, it's a common trigger. Yeah, so they will try and induce a seizure. Uh, a lot of times after an EEG, they will go whole hog with a CT scan or an MRI. <laughs> right. And uh, what is that funny? I just imagine <laughs> you having to ride a hog while you have the EEG thing on your head. Uh, a, C- a CT or an MRI. Um, have you ever been to one of those parties where they have the whole hog cooked? 
just like laying there? Yes. Looking like a hog? Yes. And I, I shouldn't go into any more detail because our vegetarian and vegan listeners would not be happy. But yes, I have. All right. I have not. It's something else. I bet. I can't imagine just sticking a fork in something that looks like an animal. Yeah. It says, stick a fork in me. I'm done. All right. <laughs> yeah, we'll just move on. Okay. Uh, yes, the, the CT or MRI, um, what, what they're trying to do there is just get an inside peek at exactly what's going on in the brain. Like you were talking about, there could be a lesion mm-hmm. or something that they don't see, and this will this will show all. Yeah. So, again, you come in, they say, so you had a seizure, huh? Put this colander on your head and look into this light while I start flashing it and make sure you haven't slept in a day. Yeah. And they try to trigger a seizure, mm-hmm. and then they look at the EEG readout of what your brain's doing. Yeah, they look they for the say, spikes. Yeah, this is an epileptic seizure. This yeah. isn't just, you know, uh, some other type of seizure. This is like epilepsy. And then, yeah, they'll put you through the wonder machine or something like that and look for lesions, weird um, oxygen concentrations, wh- whatever, to try to pinpoint where the problem's coming from. Because, again, it can just be one specific region of your brain or it could be a generalized type of seizure in your whole brain. And then based on these clues, they start deducing what type of epilepsy you might have. Right. Uh, And then what you can do about it. Um, Obviously, you're not going to eat a pigeon these days or drink dog bile. But... um, Well, you could eat pigeon. Don't drink the dog bile. No. Uh, there is uh, medication that you can take, but yeah. uh, from what I read, it's it can be pretty rough on you. Yeah. And a lot of bad side effects. So what you try to do, I think with a lot of, like with a lot of hardcore medications like this, is find that balance of what do I need to try and control these seizures and still kind of be able to operate and have a good quality of life. Yeah, and I think a lot like um, if you've been diagnosed with, say, like bipolar or mm-hmm. um, depressive disorder or something like that, where there's a lot of different medications out there that do different things, and you're probably going to have to try different combinations until you find the one that works best for you. Yeah. Um, as, as this article put it, to balance quality of life and control of your seizures. Right. That's what you're looking for in a medication or combination of medications. Same thing with with epilepsy. Yeah, I mean, you may not uh, want the full dose, and you may just want to limit your seizures Mm -hmm. and have an acceptable amount of seizures because (laughs) the medication's so rough on you. Sure, yeah, that's the worst part. And they've actually come up with a device called the vagus nerve stimulator. Mm -hmm. Remember the vagus nerve? I don't remember. Was it the female orgasm episode that it played such a role in? I think we've... That was I right. think it's been in a couple of them. We said God was either a woman or clearly favors women because women's orgasms are triggered by vagus nerves. And even if you become paralyzed, the vagus nerve is still intact. That's right. Only for women. Well, there's a, a device that's basically like a pacemaker for your brain is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And it stimulates that vagus nerve. And it just sends a little electrical pulse on like a, a regular um, rhythm mm-hmm. to your brain. And they're like, this really works. It doesn't necessarily get rid of all of your seizures, but it brings the frequency of them down so much that you could just get by with a low dosage of medication. But they have no idea how it works. Right. They think maybe it keeps the brain juiced on a a, free, a, a normal basis. It's or, almost like a pacemaker. It is. Well, like I said, they call it the pacemaker oh, for they the did? brain. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I said that. that. Uh, and then there's the, well, I mean, it sounds... 
it sounds crazy, but if it is isolated in one part of your brain, mm-hmm. they can actually go in and just remove that part of your brain in many cases. Right. And solve the problem. Yeah. And no, not only no side effects, and they're not taking a stab in the dark. Like, they know what parts of the brain they can remove. Right. They're not like, well, let's try this. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you actually show intellectual improvements after the surgery. Like when they removed the crayon from Homer's brain. <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah. That was one of the best ones ever. Yeah, that was a good one. There's also a corpus colostomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm saying it right. Yeah, that's which right. Is, so remember, you know, there's a type of, of generalized seizures or the whole brain seizures. Well, the corpus callosum is the white matter that connects the two hemispheres of the brain. Yeah. So they just go in there and go, and no more generalized brain seizures, right? Yeah. The thing is, is there, I'm very curious what the side effects are of that because we developed a corpus callosum over time. Yeah. And... There's this really interesting thing. We've got to do this someday. On A guy named Julian Jane came up with the bicameral mind. Mm-hmm. And he had this theory that before we had a corpus callosum and the two hemispheres talked to one another, that was back when we used to think the gods were talking to us. Uh, one part of our brain was talking to us, and it f- seemed like it was coming from outside of our brain. Is that like the angel and the devil on your shoulder? Basically, or the, literally the gods having uh-huh. like a role in your daily life and guiding you through life. It was wow. actually one side of your brain, but since it wasn't connected to the other side, it didn't seem like it was for coming from you. And so to cut the corpus callosum, I wonder if it would have similar huh. effects like that. Yeah, and I think that also was... Um, for alien hand syndrome, yeah, the corpus callosum had a lot to do with it because yep. one side, like a malfunction of it because one side isn't talking to the other. Yep. Interesting. Um, there was also some types of epilepsy called intractable epilepsy where, and this is like, this is really high, 25 to 30% of people who have epilepsy have intractable epilepsy. Like it's not going away. Yeah, and it's uh, really tough to control even when you're being treated. Yeah. It's, and you can actually die, too. Um, I get the feeling this is pretty rare, mm-hmm. but sudden unexplained death in epilepsy or SUDEP is something that can happen. Yeah. They, they again, they don't know how it works, but they think that maybe it has to do with a irregular heartbeat that can result, irregular breathing, or that someone gets trapped face down in something like bedding. And suffocates during a seizure. Wow. Because a lot of seizures, a lot of types of seizures, especially tonic ones, is it tonic that, um, yeah, that your muscles seize up? Oh, oh, right. Happen while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And if you're sleeping on your stomach, you could conceivably choke or suffocate. They think maybe that has something to do with it, but they're just not sure. I saw an obituary the other day for someone that died in their sleep. Mm -hmm. And that really struck me for the first time as like, that's a really nice way to sure. to say someone died in bed. Like, I don't think it ever happens where someone's just asleep and doesn't wake up, right? Like, oh, I think man. you're just asleep in bed. You wake up and you're like, I'm dying, and then you die. And oh. it just sounds like a really nice way to say they died in their sleep. We've talked about that before. Have we? About somebody who— Can you really die while you're asleep and not swear wake up and be like, I'm dying? We were talking about someone who— Woke up to die in pain. I think that's probably how it always happens, Rather than right? just dying in their sleep. No, I think people might pass in really? their sleep. I think you could. That's sweet. <laughs> Especially if you're on the dope. Like they got you doped up like in hospice or something like that. You could, oh, well, you could yeah. very easily just die in your sleep that's while you're point. 
kind of out of it. But I don't know. Yeah. I hope you're wrong. Yeah, me too. Um, living with epilepsy, uh, you know, it can be very tough. It's You have to think about everything from driving mm-hmm. to going swimming uh, by yourself. Raising an infant if you're a woman. Or a man. Or a man. Yeah. But yeah, this one this one um, specifically said like epilepsy can cha- can be a challenge to women, you know, when they're deciding whether to have kids or not. Sure. You know, they they th- that's just I hadn't even thought about that. But the you you can't have a seizure while you're breastfeeding or something. What happens after that? Yeah. Or I mean, if you're just a the lone caregiver to a child at home, sure. Uh, to a eighteen month old and all of a sudden you need treatment yourself. Yeah. That's a scary thing. Yeah. Uh, all the all the states in the United States have different rules as far as driving. Uh, like, you know, sometimes it's you can't have had a seizure for the past 12 months or something. Yeah, you dated a guy who had a couple of seizures and, like, he, he like, had he lost his license because of it. Really? Yeah. Like, think, I think it was 12 months in Virginia or something. Uh, what else? Um yeah, I think that's it. Oh, well, I did look up celebrities with epilepsy, of course, because that's all anyone cares about, right? Yes. Uh, Prince had epilepsy. I didn't know that. Um, Adam uh, Horowitz. I didn't know that. From the BC Boys. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Danny Glover. I didn't know that. Lil Wayne. Big Wayne. Uh, <laughs> is there a Big Wayne? Medium Wayne. You mean The Rock? No, Lil Wayne. Uh, Neil Young. Really? Uh-huh. Uh, the great Harriet Tubman. I think we knew that. Did we? We, we Did covered we that, that, yeah. And then uh, the NFL, former NFL twins, uh, Tiki and Rondé Barber. And they were twins who both had it, so that's... Oh, yeah, they think there might be a genetic basis to it, too. Yeah, I don't think we even mentioned that. They've identified something like 200 different gene uh, mm-hmm. deficiencies that could, could possibly lead to epilepsy. And interestingly, if you were a child and you were diagnosed with epilepsy, your doctor may say... Put that kid on Atkins. Oh yeah, ketonic diets might have something uh, that helps. Yeah, they think well, like when you're when you have kind of gone through your fat stores, mm-hmm. you go to ketones in your brain, mm-hmm. and it's got to have something to do with that. Start burning ketones in your brain. That's got to have an impact on your electrical activity. Very Why it only works on kids rather than adults is a it's a mystery to me. Yeah. You got anything else? I got nothing else. Well, that's epilepsy, everybody. Uh, If you ever see somebody who's having a seizure, remember everything we told you and keep that spoon out of their mouth. Uh, And since I said that, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this, boy, marathoners. We heard from them. We probably should have thought that through before we did a marathon episode. Asking for people to email? Yeah. I think we would have gotten the same amount of emails from sure. marathons. Like, I love marathon. People who marathon love to talk about marathons. Sure. So we were asking for it, <laughs> even without asking for it. Well, and we also asked about um, the marathon high versus a marijuana high. <laughs> yeah. And turns out a lot of marathoners smoke weed. I bet I will. I can I can imagine which one you selected. Well, actually, I did not select one of those. Oh. Because they were kind of all the same. They were like, one guy said, "It's he, not the same." One guy said he would get high and run. Oh, I saw that guy until the runners had kicked in, and he said, "So I would be high the entire marathon." Yeah, yeah. Like you're insane. His friends thought he was. How would you even start? Why, you know, know. I'm, he was probably. Should I eat combos today or run a marathon today? <laughs> I had a friend who used to to get super high and go to the, and work out and lift weights. Yeah, like Kevin Spacey. 
Oh, that's right. In uh, American, American Beauty. Beauty. That always seems so bizarre to me. And look what happened to him. Yeah. You want to stay away from the weed He's and the weightlifting <laughs> combo. All right. Here we go. Been listening for almost two years, guys. Never missed an episode. I'm a former ultra marathoner, typically in the 50K distance. So definitely on the shorter end. 5,000 mile. <laughs> Can you believe that? A 50K is a short one. Yeah. 50. Yeah. Five zero. Sure. Uh, and I can speak to experience in both the runner's high and hitting the wall in the same race. Wow. In 2013, I was competing in my last 50K. And while I was uh, toward the back of the pack in these events, always, I was feeling great when I reached the four-hour mark, uh, laughing and joking with aid station volunteers and having a great time. I felt like I was on top of the world at mile 20, and then it happened. I hit the wall. Boo. Hard. Uh, I had been able to cover 20 miles of pretty rugged trail in four hours. Suddenly, my legs went from feeling amazing and light to feeling like sacks of wet cement. That happens to me at like mile 0.75. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it took me another four hours in the final 12 miles of the race. Oh, my God. Uh, maybe it's time I start training for my next one, guys. You're invited to join me. Maybe Chuck hates running because he hasn't found the right distance yet. Perhaps it's 32.5 miles. Nope. Nope. Uh, that is from Sean Riley in Columbia, South Carolina. Sean Riley, who is crazy. But thanks for writing in. 50K, short ones. Um, yeah, but we should say there is quite a difference, apparently, between a pot high and a runner's high. Yes, no one said that they were anything alike. No, most people said they were pretty different. Yep. Uh, okay, cool. So we're done with marathoning. No need to email us more about marathons. <laughs> we're good. We got it. Okay? Yeah. If you do have epilepsy or you know someone who does, though, I would love to hear from you and let us know what it's like to live with that. Sure. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to our website. It's called stuffyoushouldknow.com. And there you will find links to all of our social media accounts. Or you can send us a plain old-fashioned email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Thank you.